Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio was popping. Yo, I am thinking, at what point do we change the intro? And never. instead of me saying, hold on, not never, but what if I said, you are tuned in to TLOP instead of you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast? No. We can't even start leaning hard into TLOP. I mean, if you want. Like, I want people to tell us, like, what does TLOP mean to you? Is it a brand? Is it a lifestyle? Is it a way of thinking? Right? Is it the motivation you need to get through your day? Like, what is TLOP? And maybe we go all in with TLOP. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but today's episode? Mm -hmm. Fire. I'm already going to call it. Fire. I'm going to tell you why. I don't think that's the title we came up with. No, it's not the title. No, it's going to be fire because... I love these episodes. Today's episode is every reason why, and I know we're working on it behind the scenes. One day, we are going to be offering a third, if not a fourth and fifth episode of the week. And it's going to be viewer and listener call-in. It's going to be us answering their questions. So today, you and I grabbed our notepad of 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 accolades and reach out of unused business cards of unused business cards because i tend to write notes on the back of business cards that's about what business cards are good that's for these good days for are jotting down notes but we took five questions that have come in over the past three to four weeks mm -hmm. from fans of the show from listeners from viewers on youtube and we're going to answer them. Yay. These episodes, we've called them potpourri in the past. If Pot you're searching on YouTube for when we've done episodes like this, we've done potpourri. Um, heck, even episode 41, the episode that kind of put us on the map, that episode was the, one of the first kind of caller, viewer, mm -hmm. listener questions. We answered it and created an entire episode. All right, John, so let's fire away. Let's, hope let's give the listeners what they're looking for. Mark Holmes, go ahead and stamp right now as the Lucy stamp, and we're going to get into the well, show. Hopefully I can read this shit. When do I know it's time to move on from this shitty job called loan origination? Oh, I don't think that was the actual question, John. I don't think. I think that's you putting your own spin to it. Because that's what people think when they're flipping the table and ready to get out. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. They just blame it on the industry, not the individual. Okay, well, uh, I've, I read that question a little bit differently when I read it. And you and I both read it because it came across as an email. Yeah. And the email is set up to go to both of us. So um, but, I read it more... Okay, I'm, I'm going to answer it to yeah, the two different perspectives. I read it like, how do I know that I need to leave my employer? Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking leave the industry. You read it as, how do I know I need to leave the industry? Yeah. Cool. Let's start with your vantage point, your POV, John. Yep. We'll take your POV, then we'll take go to my POV. Your POV is, how do I know if it's time for me to leave the industry if you don't like what you're doing? right? If you don't like what you're doing, if you don't see a future in this industry, life is short. You should do things that you enjoy doing, that when you wake up, you're excited to go into the office. Like nobody likes to work. I can't imagine. Like even someone like me who enjoys growing and scaling businesses, it is a hobby. Mm -hmm. I get excitement and, and fulfillment from doing it. I don't know if I like to work. There's other things I would prefer to do than actually work. But if I have to work, let me work at doing something that excites me, that makes me happy, that 
it, it doesn't bother me when I have to put in a 10 or 12 hour day. It doesn't bother me when I have to open my laptop on Mother's Day while my wife's taking a shower an hour before my parents come over for breakfast that I'm making them and crank out an hour of work because I'm that consumed or obsessed with the success of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's when someone would, would look at it and say, um, should I or should I not quit this shitty job, as you said? Well, yes, if you're calling it a shitty job, then you should you should look for a better opportunity elsewhere. I have a question for you. How do you know the difference between I don't like what I do versus not giving up? Because when you're in the midst of like, I don't like this job, like you're, you know, you want to give up. But when you push through it, I think that's a very great question. I, I don't know if I have a good answer because my answer is going to be you just know it's kind of like a gut feeling. Right. How do I know this relationship is worth the work and the effort? I sit down and I, I look at what's my life going to be like without this relationship? What is my life like with it? Mm -hmm. And when I weigh the pros and cons and I can't imagine my life without that relationship, mm -hmm. whether it's one with a parent, one with a child, one with a childhood best friend, one with a spouse, there's certain things that my gut just tells me that's worth fighting for. That yes, it's hard. Yes, right now we don't like each other. Yes, right now we're frustrated. But would I like the alternative, which is to never have that relationship? I think when you're looking at your career, the same thing applies. You weigh your pros and cons and you're like, look, it may suck right now, but has it always sucked? Do I anticipate it sucking in the future? And maybe I'm just going through a sucky time. But when I weigh my pros and cons, I can't imagine doing anything outside of this. I share a story of myself where this was 12, 13 years ago, and I was really ready to just kind of cash in. Mm -hmm. I was ready to take my chips off the table and go into a new career because I was quote unquote done with mortgage. And when I ran my pros and cons, here's what I learned. If I go into a new industry, I have to learn it. If I stay in mortgage, I don't have to learn it. I just have to continue to learn, but I knew the basics. I had a great foundation. If I go into another profession, I have to build my name in the industry. I have to create referral sources. I have to create business contacts. In mortgage, I at least had some of those. Even if half my contacts had recently removed themselves from the industry and they were no longer, I still had some, I had some kind of a foundation. And then this was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of like moving the needle towards staying in mortgage. Either career field required me to get after it to get after, I had to get up every day, put on my uniform and go to work and get after it, grind, embrace the suck. So then I decided, do I wanna grind and embrace the suck in an arena where I don't really know what I'm doing, where I don't have that many contacts, where I don't have that many referral sources? Or do I wanna stay in the arena where at least I, I kinda know what I'm doing, I have a foundation, I have some referral sources, I have some business contacts. Both required the same amount of effort, but one had a much shorter learning curve. Then I looked at what's my overall income potential, right? In the one career, I probably would have capped out at about buck 50, buck 80. Had I stayed in mortgage, then I thought at that time, oh, 180, 240, 300 was doable. I didn't at the time know that 600, 900, a million two was doable. I just thought that I'm like, well, duh, mortgage was the answer. So circling back to your original question, John, I think it's a gut call. But I do think you have to sit down and, and weigh pros and cons. Okay, cool. Now, when should I kick my employer in the face and then go somewhere else? Yeah. So that's a great question because we live in a day and a time where, like, your father worked for the same employer for, what, 30, 40 yeah, years? Your mother long. did the same thing. Oh, yeah. My father was with Tri-City Electric in Central Florida for 
three years, I think. That's not the world we live in today. Though, no, clear. it's not, right? So like when, when you are running a business and you have an, a, an associate who worked for you for seven, 11, 14 years. Better be thankful, first of all. Yeah, you did something right. Yeah. You did something right. You can't be overly upset if somebody leaves and goes out on their own, okay? At the same time, you can't be blind as the employer to think that all of your people are going to stay with you for 10, 15, 20 years. If you have a handful that do, again, you're doing something right. You have built a great culture, a great company, and you're somebody who's probably worth working for or working with because you're a great leader. But you still need to consistently be warming up the bullpen, so to speak, in order to backfill when the people who leave, leave because we, we're a very transient society as it pertains to our careers. If you're contemplating like leaving your employer, you have to ask yourself why? Like, why am I doing this? I believe many people do it for all the wrong reasons. I think many people do it because they're unhappy and what they're really unhappy with is what they don't want to address. Themselves. Correct. So they blame it on the company. The man or the woman in the mirror. I'm tired of you telling me what to do. I could do it better on my own, damn it. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, one of my friends goes through a bad breakup and then all of a sudden, you know, she's dying her hair green or he's shaving off the facial hair that he's been rocking for the past six years. Like they are coping with the loss of that relationship. They were coping with the change and they weren't willing to probably address what was in front of them, which mm -hmm. was broken heart and sorrow or loneliness. As employees, we sometimes will just change our employer because we weren't willing to address whatever the elephant was in the room. I don't like my boss. I feel like I was overlooked for a raise or a promotion. So instead of advocating for myself, I'll just leave. Instead of addressing why it is that my boss and I aren't seeing eye to eye, I'll just leave. But you sometimes are leaving coworkers that you adore and adore you, a corporate setup that is, that is beneficial for you long-term, and you end up going somewhere where, as we know, the grass is not greener, it's just different. And then you rinse and repeat. Three years later, you're doing the same thing. Five years later, you're doing the same thing where it may have been easier, and this is probably easier said than done, to kind of circle the wagons on yourself, look inward, figure out what you can fix there, what you can be doing different, because maybe where you work isn't mm. the issue. Now, sometimes it is, right? How do I know if where I work is the issue? Well, if they're preventing me from doing what I need to be doing, yeah. Meaning like in the mortgage business, my loans aren't closing on time. Mm -mm. I'm not being coached or mentored by my, my, my sales manager. Say what? Yeah, I'm not being shown what to do. No one's investing in me and my future. Yeah, maybe at that time it's, it's time to leave. Or, you know, there's certain times that people have this itch to be the one that's in charge, the one that's in control. Mm -hmm. I don't care if the decision's bad. I just care that I made it. Yes, sir. I want that opportunity. Look, I get it. It's usually that same personality trait that led that person to want to go into 100% commission sales as a career that they also have the risk aversion to jump right into. I'm going to run my own thing. Now, I have found, and this is from talking to friends of mine, that what they find is just that. They don't make any more money. They don't work any less hours. They don't have any less stress. The only thing different is they call the shots and they just wanted that opportunity to call the shots. They may even make less money. They may even work more, which I would tell them more than likely that's gonna happen. But the fact that they have to, they get to clean up the messes that they make and no one is looking over their shoulder 
being like, I told you so, or I knew you shouldn't have done that, or we have to sit down and have this meeting because you're not following company policy. Yeah, so I think the answer is different to every person, but what I would advise many is like, a lot of times it's not your employer, it's you. Can you have those tough conversations with yourself or with others, stay where you are and fight and advocate for it being better or for it to provide you what it, what it is that you feel like you're missing? Or sometimes that isn't the answer because where you are isn't providing whatever it is that you're missing. Just be able to get a pad of paper and a pen and write down what it is that you think you're missing and then figure out, are you going to get that when you go somewhere else? And it should never be for things like, oh, this company has a better product. This company has a better pricing structure. This company has better comp. That is a fool's game. I don't care what industry, right? You could be in, in dental equipment sales. You could be a pharmaceutical sales rep. You could sell cars for a living. You could be a loan originator or a commercial realtor. Insert your career here. If you're leaving because you think it's a better product, better commission structure, or um, better pricing, please know that you have no control over the product, the pricing and the commission structure. The minute you get over there, it could change like that. Or it could change six months down the road or 12 months down the road. So I caution anyone who's making that. It should be about career advancement, self-improvement, career betterment, fulfillment. Like there's bigger things that are maybe more abstract that you should be chasing, not necessarily the three I just mentioned, the product, the pricing, or the compensation. Well said. All right, what's next on your list, John? Uh, oh, people don't want to know my answer? Oh, what's your answer? <laughs> I'm kidding you. When, the, when it's time to move on, when they stop adding you to all those emails and to those meetings, that's how you know it's time. That's all I got to say to that. Oh, say that again. Nothing. When do I know it's time to move on? When they stop adding you to the email chains and stop inviting you to the meetings. That's when you know. I love that. That's, I mean, like, it's real talk. Like your words, like I would paraphrase that. The minute you are no longer feeling empowered mm -hmm. or given autonomy, right? You should work somewhere where, where, where people want to hear you and they want to include you. I like that. See, my little nugget. I don't speak much, but when I do, it's profound. Question number two. D.O., what drives you? Keep this under 50. Was this from my mom? Keep this under 55 minutes, please. So, hey, really cool story. Yesterday, my son graduated from high school, and we're, we got to the uh, UCF arena. That's where um, the high school graduations in Central Florida tend to, tend to be held, which is why the centerpiece today hold on, hold on, hold is UCF-themed. And my son's going to UCF, so go Knights. He's I graduated be, in my high school gym. Yeah, they don't do that. Anymore? And we're in Florida, John. You were up in Massachusetts. You know how hot it was yesterday? And it could have rained. I mean, the gym. Oh, the, the gym, gym. The gym. The gym days. <laughs> you said gym, and I thought the football stadium. You said gym because my sister, when she graduated high school in 1992. Whoa. Oh, yeah, it, it was on the football field. It yeah, was on the football field. I remember field. those days, yeah. Yeah, yep. so Damn. no, they, they moved them inside mm -hmm. now. But no, we're sitting there, and it was so awesome, kind of cute. So my old man, my dad's sitting next to me. Shout out to my dad, Don. And uh, Don's sitting next to me. My, my mother-in-law there, my father-in-law there, my daughter, my daughter's best friend, and my wife. Like, we had a, eight of us Jesus, in a row or whatever. bleacher. And we're waiting for the um, actual ceremony to start. And I look over, my dad's checking his emails. And who did he get an email from? Nikki Ray at TLOP. No way. And it was an invitation for Pops to become a Premium Plus member 
because he has signed up yeah. as a as a T-Lop. Yeah. I mean, my dad's not in the mortgage industry. He was in, in the electrical. He's a, an electrician for 50 years. We still need the numbers. But nonetheless, I thought it was really cool. And he was, like, legit reading it. So I, like, elbowed him. I'm like, Pops, that's not for you. Yeah, you know that, good. right? No, but I'll, I'll sign yeah. up. Uh, okay, what was the question again? So I totally I said, what drives you? Oh, yeah. And that, but and you I, have to keep it under 50 minutes. Now you have 48. 50 minutes or 50 seconds? But just please keep it short because this is going to go down a rabbit hole. Uh, what drives me? You know, that's a good question. Um, what drives me? I feel like my mother asked this. And I, I, I would tell my mother, Mom, what drives me is probably how I was raised by my by my parents, right? Lack of I picked, love. I picked this up a little bit in, in some, some life coaching sessions, all right, some, some therapy sessions, yeah. where you know, my whole life I grew up and my father would show love to those who worked really hard. He talked mm -hmm. a lot about we don't half-ass anything and we give it our all. And mm -hmm. if you half-ass something, you heard about it and you got lectured. So I've learned at an early age, and my father is someone I always looked up to, always admired, still do today. And it was, um, it was knowing that if I wanted that adoration, if I wanted to be, um, felt like I, I earned his love, it was by working really hard. So early on, I learned to work hard. Plus, I think growing up in a lower middle class neighborhood, a lower middle class um, blue collar household, you know, hard work was valued, right? That was kind of your stake. That was, that was who you were. Mm -hmm. And then my mom is uh, the biggest ego inflator that there is. Like even with my son, with my niece, with my nephew, like she's the most amazing cheerleader um, her children and her grandchildren could never do wrong where I even said to her last night at dinner, I go, mom, no, I really was an asshole in eighth grade to Mrs. Hess. Like you didn't need to defend me and be like, uh, -uh not my baby. As your mom would say, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I earned that. But my mom still, nope, not her kid. And she would constantly say things like, oh, I bet you were the, I bet you're the best baseball player in your class. I'm like, no, actually, mom, that's David Eballer. You know, I bet you're the best looking guy. Jeez. All the girls must like you. I'm like, no, actually, all the girls like Jason Ware. You know, like, yeah. like, so, but in my mind, I knew she wasn't doing anything malicious, but I think she was like almost, well, molding me in a way where I grew up thinking, oh my gosh, well, if I want to have someone like my mom, who I love and respect, look up to me, then I need to be the most athletic. I need to be the best looking. I need to have the most money because my mom who grew up even like, I would say I grew up lower middle class. She grew up below that. Right. So like not in poverty, but like somewhere between lower middle class and, and poverty. So she grew up very envious in Annapolis, Maryland of, you know, guys and girls who had nice clothes, who had new clothes, you know, things like that. Very materialistic. And I would grow up listening to my mom talk about those people like they were better. Oh my gosh, you see the car that so and so drives, you see the house that those people you, suck. you see you see that trip. So like I was just raised in a household and they weren't doing it on purpose, but where it's like, wow, if I want my, my dad to love me, I gotta work the hardest. And if I want my mom to love me, I have to be the best looking, I have to have the most money, and I have to uh, be the most athletic. So as I matured and my brain developed by age twenty six that I constantly found myself always wanting more, pushing more. It was through maybe a little bit of some life coaching that I realized maybe that's where it came from. Mm. And at 44 years of age, I'm still there. Like I need to be accepted. I need that validation. And if 
if someone thinks something is crazy or hard to do, i.e. a full Ironman. Yeah. Like, although I do get personal fulfillment by training, I do mm -hmm. get personal fulfillment by achieving it, it maybe a little icky to admit, yeah, I get some fulfillment knowing that that's some hard shit that very few people actually do. And now I can say I did that. There you go. So that's a whole lot about me that you all probably weren't looking for. And I don't think that that can help you in one bit, but now you know more about me. There you go. All right, what drives you? Making it to disclosure when the aliens finally can come out. Making it to disclosure. Like what when is, is disclosure, disclosure is when the aliens disclose like themselves? Like, hey, this is like, this is technology. All those. So you can be like, I knew it all along. I mean, I already do know it. I just, that's what drives me, like finding the truth to the universe. All right, I like that. You know, I'm deep and eclectic like that. You know, all the other stuff doesn't really drive me. Next question. When will rates come back down, Dustin? Jesus, I'm sick of this. Well, I'm assuming we're talking about mortgage, mortgage rates. Mortgage interest rates, sorry. I, I mean, we could be talking about auto rates. We could be talking about business uh, loan rates. rates. Yeah, right. loan rates, because those have skyrocketed. Oh, really? They're high, too? Those are tied to the Federal Reserve's prime interest rate. Mm -hmm. So when the Federal Reserve goes on a record hiking spree, mm -hmm. yes, you just saw auto loans But you know what that doesn't? Business loans yep. skyrocket. But that, those don't affect mortgage rates. I knew that. Well, it's different. Mortgage rates and the prime interest rate are two different things. They do follow similar patterns in the economy, mm -hmm. but no, the Federal Reserve could increase their rate today and mortgage rates go down today. Like they don't necessarily do the same thing and they're not the same thing. Mm. Mortgage interest rates as of mid-May, late May 2023, they will be on a continual downward slide. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be a perfectly straight line, mm -hmm. but... Everything is trending downward because inflation seems to be in check and everything the Federal Reserve has been doing to counter inflation by increasing the cost of borrowing money is going to be a negative impact on the U.S. economy, move the economy into a recession, at which point we should start to see mortgage rates get better because inflation is the arch enemy of mortgage interest rates, of interest rates in general. So as we see record inflation, we see mortgage rates and all interest rates and the cost of borrowing skyrocket. As inflation gets in check and we slide into a recession, we'll see rates come back down. The number that we're targeting right now is like, how quickly can we get to five and a half percent? If the average 30 year fixed mortgage rate can get to five and a half percent, all indications are at that point, sellers who have been sitting on the sidelines are gonna start putting the homes on the market. The minute sellers start putting the homes on the, mar on the market, all of this pent up millennial buyer demand will actually have the inventory for them to go out and purchase. But the overall trend is for rates to still continue to come down. There's some headwinds, right? There are still headwinds. The employment market is still pretty hot, meaning we have too many people employed, not enough people unemployed. Oh shit. And we need to start seeing some of these labor reports be less positive and more negative. I think that's some that's a headwind that's going up against mortgage rates right now. And then you have like really weird conundrums where there's a lot of supply because mortgage rates just end up getting converted into bonds. Then those bonds get bought and sold on the open market. Well, right now there's a gluttony of mortgage bonds, not new bonds, but like bonds from two, three, four years ago. And they're up for purchase 
because banks are selling off their bonds right now in order to infuse cash into their bank because there's been a run on banks recently, Bank right? Runs. Like, like we, we have seen this happen and banks need to have enough cash. In order to have enough cash, they need to sell some of their investments. Some of the investments that they're selling right now are the investments that they had in bonds and the bonds that they held were mortgage-backed securities. So that has added a bunch of supply to the market. Well, if I'm trying to issue new, new bonds into the market, and I'm competing against old bonds that are also coming to the market, well, there's only so many bond purchasers at any given time. So because of that, although we would think mortgage rates should be lower than they are on a technical basis, the headwind that we couldn't predict or we didn't see coming was, oh crap, these banks are selling all of their mortgage-backed securities or a large portion to raise capital and we weren't anticipating the market being flooded with supply, whether it's old supply or new supply, it's still supply. You know, it's kind of like what would happen if there were 10,000 people looking to buy a car and there were 30,000 cars on the market instead of having 10,000 cars on the market. Well, if there's 10,000 people to buy cars and there's 10,000 cars, that's a combo of certified pre-owned, used and new. Well, there's enough cars to go around. Not everyone's going to get a new car. Not everyone's you know, gonna be able to buy a certified pre-owned, but there's still enough cars. What happens when there's only 6,000 cars and 10,000 buyers? Well, that's not good because now we have a greater amount of demand than we do of supply. That's how we see prices go up. That's how inflation happens. But if we flipped it, what would happen if we're selling cars for a living and there's 30,000 cars and only 10,000 buyers? Well, now people can be selective. Now the people who thought they could only afford buy here, pay here, Maybe now certified pre-owned is going to make some, some uh, lucrative offers their way. Or maybe people who never thought they could afford new cars and new car sticker values, all of a sudden those new car sticker values are being dropped to compete with some of the certified pre-owned. You see where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. So that's happening in the mortgage-backed security market right now in May. So even if the economic news that we follow, CPI, PPI, et cetera, even if that is showing that, hey, our economy is cooling off. Hey, we are heading towards a recession. Hey, mortgage rates should be trading much lower. Well, we have some headwinds, such as a abundance of supply on the market that has to get chewed through, purchased, at which point we could then see that supply demand even out, and then we'll see better pricing. Better pricing into being more, better interest rates for the consumer. Translation, sometime late in December. Next question. <laughs> Oh, I got, I'll take this one, Dustin. Advice for college grads. Yeah, I, I love this question because we just did that episode about six weeks back at University of Central Florida. You can't finish. You can finish because I did, my sister did, my wife did, my sister-in-law did, handful of my friends did, John, and um, my son's going to. But nonetheless, you can finish. For anyone who doesn't get the inside joke, back in the day, yes. UCF had this, had this uh, nickname. UCF stands for two things, either under construction forever. That's true. Or you can't finish. Man, you struck a nerve there, John. It sounds like I did, man. It took you six, five, seven years to graduate, but hey, you got to the finish line. It don't matter how you got there. It just matters that you did. C's to get degrees as well as D's and F's, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> what advice do you want to give to college students? Because it is graduation season. Yes. Right? High schoolers are graduating. College kids oh, are graduating. I can't wait. They're happy. They walk across the stage. I got my degree in arts or liberal science or some shit, and they're going to go on LinkedIn and apply to a bunch of jobs. 
and just be ready to take that managerial cashier position at Target for the first six months because life's going to hit you quick. That's all I have to say on that. Okay. I, I like that. So life's going to hit you quick. Yeah, you're not right. going to get a job straight out of it. I mean, some people will, but yeah, just because you got a degree and it's fancy and you spend a lot of hard time, money, and effort in it, that does not translate in the real world, i.e. when you get out of school and you're applying for jobs. Don't nobody give a shit about that. Yeah, meaning there's a lot of jobs available, but it might be the might not be the job you want. Exactly. Yeah, um, something similar to that. Like I, I have this advice where, cool, you're 23, you're 22, you may even be 21. You recently graduated. Give yourself until you're 26 to really worry about being a grown ass adult. Mm -hmm. Like enjoy it. Take that job at Target. Understand it sucks. Save your money. Lord. Preach. Network like crazy. Preach. And then maybe take a six month sabbatical and go travel the world. Find yourself. Find yourself, find your people, make it about networking and experiencing life. You don't have to rush out to get your MBA, oh God, to get no. that to get that uh, six-figure job, et cetera. Like, make sure you understand it's okay if it takes you to your 26. Also make sure it's never okay if you ever give up or you start doubting yourself and please, I don't care if you're 28 or 32, don't feel like it's too late. It's never too late. It is never too late to start something that you really want to do. But the advice I would have is congratulations. This is your beginning. Yeah, you just started now. You're just getting started. Go out and experience and network and keep an open mind and don't necessarily make it about just climbing the corporate ladder. At the same time, be realistic with yourself. I just talked to a young professional and I finally had to tell her she's out in California. And I, I was like, listen, this is the third time we've talked over the past year. And every time you have said certain things that I've picked up on, but I, maybe I've been too nice. I told her the money you want, you're not worth. What? No, I am. I'm worth it. My teacher said the opportunity you want, you're going to have to fight for. And the opportunity that you seek is going to take sacrifice. So for her, she wanted a certain income. She didn't want to have to commute 45 minutes to the office. And she wanted all of the training done for her and handed to her on a silver platter. Give it to me. And I had to tell her, wake up call sister, you're not gonna get all three. If you do, you hit the lottery. But in order to get the money that you want and that you seek, you're probably gonna have to give up on people handing you on a silver platter, your job, how to do it in the proper training. Meaning you're gonna be resourceful and go out there and get it yourself. In order to make the money that you wanna make, you may have to move to a new city you may have to drive 45 minutes to the office. You might not be able to work from home. By the way, work from home is not really working out in general. I know we all have two or three people or hybrid works great or so-and-so works from home and they have for a decade. I get that. But for the rest of us, the business professionals, the engineering professionals, the teaching professionals in totality, the 65% of us, which would be the majority, some could even say super majority, Work from home doesn't work. Yes, it does for maybe 35%, some form of hybrid, but I think this younger crop is gonna to have to understand, you may have to move to a new city, you may have to become resourceful, you may have to work from an office, have a boss that reports to you, sit in on meetings, whether you wanna be there or not, or you may have to take a 
cut in pay. Watch your mouth. But in return, you get to not have to relocate. You can work a hybrid or even a work from home. Mm -hmm. You may have the most amazing training and the most amazing mentor. And that should be a fair trade-off. I would tell every more young professional, don't chase the money, chase the opportunity, chase the mentorship, chase the experience, chase the training, then network your butt off while you're receiving all of that mentorship and training and experiences. Mm -hmm. And in two, five, or even seven years, now you'll be ready to not only chase the money, but because of the mentorship, because of your network, because of what you've experienced and how you've been trained, I think the money's gonna start throwing itself at you. But it might not be all about the money early on. Damn, that's like inspiring or something. Last question. Last? That was three or four? Four, man, you get lost. I'm, t I, I'm telling you all four. What, what are the four questions we've answered so far, John? You run it back. When do I know it's time to move on from okay, my shitty job? Okay, we talked job? about that. What drives the O? We talked about that. When will my mortgage interest rates come back down? We talked down? about that. I said probably late December. And then advice for college leaders, I mean college grads. Cool, John said late December, I'm gonna say August. I, I, I'm gonna tell you they're already coming down. I think we're gonna actually see it and experience it in August. But go ahead. Uh, you said December, we'll see who's right. You know what? Winner, winner owes the other person a bottle of their favorite. <laughs> $100 or less it's, bottle whoa, it's fine. of something. going to expense it anyway. All right. All right. Cool. Worst investment you ever made. And we need to end quickly because apparently we have like a meeting after this or something. Okay. Worst investment I ever made besides getting hooked into one Ponzi scheme and one pyramid scheme, which I did. Uh, literally lost like 10 grand doing this thing called Zeke Rewards, which was uh, a Ponzi scheme. At least it wasn't Cutco Knives. Yep. Um, there's a guy. His name is Ray Lopez. He's the guy that, that wrote me into it. And um, nonetheless, I think I recouped like five of the $10,000 that I put into Z. But the learning lesson was invaluable, Dustin. Yes, but no, here's what the bigger learning lesson I learned. It wasn't the Ponzi scheme or the multi-level marketing scheme that both of them I lost a lot of money in. I, the worst investment is me trying to be a stock picker. I'm not a stock picker. I'm really good in sales and marketing. I know a lot about the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. I know how to give basic personal financial literacy type advice. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to pick stocks and I don't have enough time or I'm not willing to take the time to actually learn how to use the charts and the graphs and the tools that traders are. So for me, the worst investment I've ever made would be anything that has to do with stock picking because I'm not a stock picker. Likewise, because I lost my ass on True Leave. Yeah, yeah, you're not a stock picker either. I thought I was, I yep. bought it. And that's probably my advice to most people is you're not a stock picker. You need to have six months reserve. Are you that guy or girl? You need to be investing into a, an IRA, whether it's traditional or Roth, your income will dictate it. You need to be um, participating in your company's 401k, especially if they have a match, right? If you can do those four things and own a home, that is boring AF, but that's how millionaires are made. That right there is how millionaires are made. It's not through stock picking. And if I have lost my ass in investments besides the Ponzi scheme and besides the um, multi-level marketing, it has been with me trying to be a stock picker. Damn. Yeah. We'll end on my note. What's your note, John? I think my worst investment I ever made, investing my time in shitty companies with shitty people and shitty relationships. Yeah. That's Profound. God, another I, yeah. one, John. God, that's, I, JC's <laughs> coming up with a profoundness. Yeah, because you learned that you helped someone else 
Get rich. Get rich. Yeah, hell yeah, multiple times. Yeah, your hope is that with TLOP that one day we can make it and you're going to own something mm -hmm. that not only pays your bills but also provides financial security down the road. I just want to elevate you to the level of stardom that you you so Desire stardom. Yes, it is about recognition. Stardom is with that little dust of knowing in fifth grade where your mom's saying, I believe in you, even though you came in last place. And like, no, I got this, mom. I need to elevate you to that that uh, precipice, shall we say. Well, you know what? Knock yourself out, homie. <laughs> and how about this? To all of our listeners who want to see John Coleman succeed at life. Thank you, please. Then please continue to like <laughs> us, share us. Go on YouTube and subscribe. Find us on Instagram and follow Hit me up and connect with me on LinkedIn. Go to TLOP online. It's only the beginning. Check it out mm -hmm. and become a premium member. More importantly, you're going to want to become a premium plus member pew, pew, when pew. that launches on June 1st. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. That is all the time we have for you today, but we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Peace.